We're getting down to the short rows, ready to kick off this Ohio State football season. It sounds like we have a leader out of the clubhouse for the starting quarterback job, and Justin Fields made his debut for the Bears in the NFL preseason. We'll talk about that and more in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm co-host Andy Vance, along with me, Kevin, the CEO, Harris, uh, joining us to talk about everything that happened in the week that was Buckeye football and other related sports. Kevin, top of the page this week, the Buckeyes clock in at number four in the preseason AP press poll ahead of the 2021 college football season. Reaction to the ranking, was it was it too high, too low, just right? Did Goldilocks and her voters across the spectrum of Associated Press voters get it right? It, yeah, I mean, for starters, if you're caring too much about the AP poll and the middle of August, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, but I mean, I, I, I guess, I, I mean, I mean, my hot takes on the internet, I, I, I can't get fired up about c- come on. No, in all seriousness. Yeah. These, the, the, this isn't a way too early poll. At least I, I always get a kick out of the ones that come out, you know, three days after the season's over. Right. I should have gone back and looked to see, is this about where Ohio state <laughs> finished in the way too early polls from February? I, I don't really know, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I, I think it's it, like you could almost take Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia and just like put them in a hat and just draw them out there just randomly. And like you couldn't really argue with it. Like I'm fine putting Alabama at number one because like they're the defending champion. They're always, you know, I, I mean, it's Alabama, but like especially like two, three, four, like you could rotate those anyway and you could make an argument for any of them. So I don't, I don't really think it really matters. Ohio state is probably where they deserve to be. Um, I honestly could not really care less about where they are in the AP poll uh, in the middle of August, but um, it's kind of where I'd expect it to be. And I would not be shocked if any of these five teams were any of the four teams in the college football playoffs. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't expect a huge amount of movement in those spots anytime soon. Uh, no. That's about, that's this is, about this is, what you would expect. Yeah, this is what it's going to be until November. So um, fun, fun things in the poll I liked. Uh, Iowa State, you know, not that that has any implications for Ohio State, but there's a name you don't see in the top 10 all that often. And one spot behind them at number eight, the Cincinnati Bearcats. How about that Luke Fickle, man? Yeah. I, so I, I have, I asked this on, on the poll, I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, I asked this on the site poll out outside of this top five right here. What is, what is the one team that you think has the best chance to, to make the college football playoff outside of the top five, which is Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio state, and Georgia. What other team do you think? That's a, that's a fun one. Uh, you know, a lazy man would say Texas A&M. I am not, however, a lazy man, so I won't say that. Uh, I would probably go with Notre Dame. Uh, a, brand recognition. B, I mean, they're playing ACC teams, whoop de doo um, I think if they get in, been there before, that would be the other thing. You know, they've got the uh, ability to to get voted in there. So I, yeah, I'd probably go with Notre Dame. I don't know that that's like a a sexy pick. I'm not willing to say USC is back. Um, I'm sure as hell not willing to say Miami is back. So I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> discounting some other blue bloods there until they give me reason to believe otherwise. So, so I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Notre Dame. What was the I, consensus I, among our readers? Yeah. I, I think my pick would probably be Oregon. Um, I, the only thing that's as they me beat is, Ohio state, right? Well, I mean, maybe it, cause it really depends on what else happens. Um, I think there's a solid chance that they win the Pac-12 and they're, you know, like the, the, the kind of the outside looking in, um, waiting for somebody to lose. But um, uh, there's at least some sort of chance that they beat Ohio State. And if they beat Ohio State, then they're, uh, I think they're kind of home free because I, I think they'll run right through the Pac-12. So and, I think and that's my they, pick. And if they lose to Ohio State, as, as we would certainly hope and expect uh, on behalf of the local team, then, then it's they're early not, enough in the season that it's yeah. a Virginia Tech esque, right? They're they're not out of on it. A you know, stone. yeah, yeah. Some, something happens to Oklahoma. Like, I mean, who who really expects Oklahoma to run the table this year? Um, then do they ever? 
Um, and then something happens to Georgia, Texas, and like, oh, there's a lot of teams that could lose in front of them. I, I, I could, I could easily see them backing their way into that number four spot. So but I think that's um, why I gave Notre Dame the nod, because I'm assuming in that scenario, they've beaten Clemson, of course, you know, yeah. so then, then they kind of take Clemson spot. I, I think the reason I didn't jump on Oregon is because I still discount because, because CFP voters have given me reason to discount that the Pac-12 won't just be the f- the fifth odd man out again. That's uh, entirely fair. Yeah, I, I mean, it just, you know, no disrespect to Oregon. It's that that conference has not gotten any respect to speak of. I mean, right. it's or- Oregon's the only Pac-12 team that's been in the playoff at all. Am I right? No, I guess what did Washington, Washington, got in Washington did get in. Yeah. yeah Washington okay, so got in. The two, yeah. So it's not been a great, <laughs> it's not been a great run of, success no. for the pack in in that regard uh which you know i guess will lead to a segue i hadn't intended to cover but we probably should news broke this week that the pack 12 the acc and the big 10 are considering an alliance of sorts to ward off the expansionary tactics of the southeastern conference as it gobbles up along with its uh collaborator and conspirator depending on which term you prefer to use tip of the cap to bob bullsby of the big 12 conference uh espn i mean in uh, cobbling up some additional schools the aforementioned oklahoma being among them and texas which clocked into the ap preseason poll at number 21 if you were keeping score kevin what were your thoughts on this rumored alliance you know the big 10 and the pack had been discussing a scheduling alliance way back when a schedule scheduling alliance that never happened. Will this time be different? I, I think my first two takeaways are one, the, the poor big 12, you know, like they already got the shaft with Oklahoma and Texas getting uh, stolen by the sec. And now you've got the other three power five conferences are forming an alliance. And they're like, eh, we don't really need the big 12. So like I, I don't know. It's, it's been a, I, I said in the skull session, it's been the worst month for the big 12 since uh, December of 2014 when Ohio state hopped TCU and Baylor. So uh, th- th- that was my first takeaway. My second one is um, there's, there's that picture of uh, PAC 12 commissioner, George. I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. I'm not even going to pretend Cleve cough, Cleve, Cleve cough, whatever. You, you um, attempted so it anyway, though. <laughs> I, I did. I did. I did attempt it. Um, Again, no shame in being wrong on, online. I am always wrong online. Um, but part of your charm, yeah. Th- so, so there's a picture of um, of uh, Kevin Warren and George K. We'll go with George K. on on Twitter. Could you have any less faith in two commissioners than Kevin Warren and a dude who was the CEO of MGM Resorts a month ago? You know, like, like they're the ones that are putting together this alliance, like the, the fate of college football, uh, like the, the, um, the, the alliance that's standing against the SEC is, uh, on the shoulders of Kevin Warren and a dude who was running a casino, uh, a month ago. So it's, it's, not, ex- it's not exactly, uh, you know, Aragorn, son of Arathorn leading, you know, the combined forces of middle earth uh against the forces of darkness is it yeah no i i i you know i'm I'm glad that they're attempting something but i am i am the opposite of optimistic i i have to tell you uh and i'd seen a story and i don't have it at my fingertips but something along (laughs) the lines that you know jim delaney is you know consulting uh with some of the powers that be and, and I thought, you know, this kind of has Delaney's fingerprints all over it. Um, and, and as I recall, Delaney's been involved with the Rose Bowl uh, since, you know, yes. stepping down from his role yeah. uh, at the Big Ten. So I'm like, yeah, there's a little Rose Bowl power play. Let's get that old Big Ten Pac-12, you know, Rose Bowl alliance thing going. Yeah. And, and we'll throw in the ACC because we need to protect you know, that Eastern flank and, and Hey, you've got a three conference voting block. That really is a nice hedge against an expanded sec. Uh, I, I like the maneuver. I, I guess I question a little bit how successful it will be because of the <laughs> severe leadership vacuum you, yeah. you, you described, but, uh, but I think the idea is sound. Um, well, well, and also like, what does that even mean? You know, like, I, I don't know. I, I, 
like a loose alliance. Like they say it's a scheduling alliance, but it's more than that. Like if it's yeah. a scheduling alliance, like what does that even mean? Because Ohio State currently has like home and home scheduled against Georgia and Alabama in the next like 10 years. So like, are they going to have to cancel those? Like, I, I, I just don't know what this practically even looks like. Like it's, it's a cool headline and like, oh, they're standing against the SEC, but like, what, what does that really mean? You know? Mm -hmm. And some of the reporting I saw on the subject suggested that, you know, there, as, as we get ready for CFP expansion, you know, Mark Emmert has signaled that the NCAA needs to have a constitutional convention to reimagine what the role of governance is in the modern, uh, the modern amateur athletic arena. That sounds way cooler than it actually is. Doesn't it? It does. Constitutional convention. Very, very cool. Uh, and, and less so in, in reality, but, but I, the, the, some of the reporting I saw suggested that, Hey, this is a way that those conferences can, can in essence, pool their votes, coordinate their voting and, and make sure that whatever decisions are made are in the best interest of those conferences, rather than letting Greg Sankey dictate terms, uh, because he has ESPN in his back pocket. So I, you know, I find that I find that angle a little interesting. It's okay. This is maybe smart politics. Get, uh, you know, make sure you've got a whip count before you go into some of these big decisions. But then you come back to the Kevin Warren issue and say, this is still the person that you have leading the charge. Now, now maybe, maybe I'm selling the presidents and chancellors of the Big Ten University short. Then again, we are just a year removed from the conference deciding that it wasn't actually going to play football before it did actually play football. So your mileage may vary. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, generally speaking, people don't have a lot of trust in, um, either of these fellows. So maybe the ACC can save us. There you go. That's some optimism. I like it. Other news out of camp this week is Ohio state gets, uh, as we say, down into the short rows, just uh, a, a little under two weeks left here before foot hits ball and, uh, football is back upon us. We, we don't yet have an official starting quarterback, but word out of camp is that C.J. Stroud is separating himself, I believe was the actual quote, from the competition. Uh, Kevin, you and I talked about this at length last week, so we won't dwell on it in abundance this week. No big surprise here, right? No, not at all. I mean, this is, if you would have told me, like, gun to my head at this point last year, even, yeah, at this point last year, who would be, Ohio State's starting quarterback this year, I probably would have picked CJ Stroud. And I don't think I really would have wavered from that at any point, really. Um, I think he's talented. Uh, He's got the experience. I mean, none of them have ever thrown a collegiate pass, but uh, I I think he's got the arm talent. He can run a little bit. He's really a good successor to Justin Fields. So it it really doesn't shock me at all. Um, So I think that's the direction we're going to be going unless Quinn Ewers, you know, he's, he's on campus. Maybe he'll, he'll make a push for it in the, in these uh, next couple of days. Well, you know, you referenced earlier a uh, site poll and, and uh, another site poll that you ran asked when Ewers would make his debut for the Buckeyes. Um, and I found that to be an interesting, an interesting question. Uh, I believe the plurality said he won't see the field in 2021 uh you gave basically the first five games of the season as it was kind of the the five first five games of the season or not at all in 2021 uh how are you feeling about those those options when you when you laid them out there uh, are, are you thinking there is a better than 500 chance that uh, the young gunslinger will make his debut this season or or are you taking the field yeah i mean i, I probably should have put you know, October 2nd or later, because I guess there's a chance that he plays in some of those later big 10 matchups. I kind of just assumed that if he wasn't going to play in any of those kind of blowout games that he he probably really wouldn't get a chance against Indiana or Penn state or Michigan or anything like that. Um, But, you know, he he could still play after that, but I mean, Michigan could be a blowout game. That that is entirely fair. Um, You know, I mean, mean, we could be be talking, we could be talking about garbage time in the last two games of the regular season. Like that's So this is, this this is the second one where I 
second poll in the past like two weeks where I didn't really give enough options. The other one was when I said how many first round quarterbacks are currently on Ohio state's roster. And I didn't give the option of zero, but like wildly, I think that like, it's more likely that Ohio state has four first round quarterbacks on the roster than zero currently, but that's, that's a different story. Um, But yeah, I I think I, I probably undersold it a little bit and I'm sure I haven't looked at the comments. Um, I'm sure there's people telling me like, Oh, I wanted to pick October you know, ninth or something well, like let's that. Let's just see out of curiosity how long it takes uh, someone uh, to say that. Actually, uh, I, I'm. Are you looking? The first, the first comment out, I thought was a, a valid one. You know, all the quarterbacks will play in each game because Ohio State will be ahead by so much that each will get a chance to play. That's the that is the kind of blind Homer optimism that I look for. Uh, I love that. That's the perfect answer right there. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's fair. Uh, the second yeah. guy, of course, said I should be fourth on the depth chart. <laughs> but thank Which, you. Yeah, that, that is that is the definition of a comment section. <laughs> yes, just yes. thank you. It'll be great. Yeah, it will. So yeah, really, it, it doesn't. It doesn't look like there's. Um, it doesn't look like there's anybody who said that so far. I'm, Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm overlooking. Yeah, no, I'm surprised. That's good. No, but but uh, yeah. So I guess I guess I didn't screw up that bad. But uh, yeah, that that was an obvious oversight. But I I, I think he's got to play this year. Like I, forty nine percent are saying he doesn't play at all this year. I, there there's no way that he doesn't get in the game in some capacity. Like I I just feel like he's way too talented. Um, I I understand that. And like, I understand the logic of like, well, he's not going to know the offense. It's like, okay, but he doesn't really need to know the offense for you to stick him in, in the fourth quarter against Tulsa, you know, like, or against Akron, like how, how much grasp of the offense do you need to have to, you know, go and run, you know, 10 plays when you're up 62 to three, you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't. I, and even if he is fourth on the depth chart, like we're not talking about him actually playing. Like, I don't think that he's actually going to be starting. Um, I, I, but I, I just don't think that it's really that realistic to think that he's going to go this entire season without seeing the field in some capacity. Like it, it, there's no reason for him not to play. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's my biggest takeaway. Like I, I don't see any sort of, you know, downside to him playing. If, if he's that good, if Ryan day recruited him, he's like literally tied with Vince young for the highest rated quarterback ever. Like you don't let a guy like that, just like sit the bench. You know, I, I just, I, I I can't really fathom a way that he doesn't play in some capacity, see the field in some capacity, you know, do some garbage time, um, something, uh, this year. When meeting with the press head coach, Ryan day, uh, while also, acknowledging that Stroud was separating himself from his competitors and was the favorite start the season opener acknowledge that yours is a quote long way from that um he also said on the other hand it's a long long way to January so I guess anything could happen basically acknowledging what you just said and so it it will be very interesting yours is uh, enrolled now officially and on campus and has signed with uh, agency for NIL representation. So he is off and running, and thanks to Holy Kombucha, has money in his pocket already. This clearly is a situation where you're not worried about protecting a year of eligibility because nobody expects yours to play a full four anyhow. Uh, So taking a redshirt season, you know, burning a redshirt, quote-unquote, by getting garbage time playing, not really something anybody's worried about this go-round. No, not at all. I mean, he's, he's going to be gone and it'll be a miracle if he's here four years, but even if like, I, I think people are like forgetting that you can, you can play three games too, you know, like yeah, there's people, the other component. Yeah. M- most people are saying that he's not even going to see the field in 2021. So like play three games and you can still save this year if you really want him, but the, there's not a chance in hell that he's going to be here for five years. Like a red shirt isn't even like a, there's, there's absolutely no reason. Um, so I, I don't know. I, that, that's kind of why I just don't really see a reason for not playing him. You know, it, there's going to be plenty of games that are over by halftime, like give him 10 plays, you know, it, it just, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, get him some experience. He's going to be gone in three years anyway. So I don't know. And, and is I, that the same answer with the other quarterbacks in the room as well? I mean, McCord shed his black stripe this past week. So is, is the answer the same for him that, hey, he, he's going to see the field at some point for the same exact reason? 
Yeah, for sure. All, all four are going to play. I, I don't, I don't think that. And like, I, I know like people lose their mind when you say that all four are going to play. Like I, I'm not saying that we're going to start rotating quarterbacks. I, Platoon. I, I think, I think, yeah, right. I think they could, if they really wanted to, like who's really going to be that hurt if, you know, CJ Stroud goes out there for two series, gets two touchdowns, and then you put Jack Miller in for a series and then go back to CJ Stroud. Like, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that it's that serious. I don't think that um, it'll be one of those scenarios where uh, anybody's looking over their shoulder. I think CJ Stroud's going to be like the guy, but like, you know, it, I, I could easily see some of these guys getting quote unquote meaningful snaps and like the, the game isn't completely over when they get in the game, but I, I don't know. I, I just think we're going to see a lot of quarterbacks this year. Um, I think they're going to get in the game earlier than we have in previous years. I guess the, the other, like the other edge of that sword is that you want um, the starter to get as many in-game reps as possible, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think that we're going to see um, really all of these guys get on the field in some capacity. I, I don't think there's really any downside to it besides CJ Stroud, not getting all of the reps, but I, I think we're going to see all of them because, because at the end of the day, like, this is part of the quarterback competition for next year too. And like the backup job and like the future of the quarterback position. So um, I, I just, I, I, I could see Ryan day kind of wanting to get an extended look at some of these guys because CJ Stroud, but if everything goes perfectly, not even perfectly, if everything goes the way that it should and everybody's hoping it to, will not be the starting quarterback at Ohio state for longer than two years. So there's going to have to be somebody after that. And I think Ryan day is already going to start kind of grooming that guy. We're two weeks and two days away from kickoff uh, versus Minnesota at TCF bank stadium in the twin cities. How heavily favored will Ohio state be in that game? Uh, I'm sure there's an early line out on it. Um, gun to my head. I'd probably set it at like 21. Let me see if I can find an early line. But I, because there's the question, you know, to answer, to answer this question of how much quote unquote meaningful time these guys see, you know, you look in the first four games. So Oregon, that's the, that's the stiff test, but you get that as a nooner at home. Um, you know, Minnesota under the lights on the road on a Thursday night, you know, that's, I don't know what you call that game. It's not a trap game, obviously it's the season opener, but it's, it, it's that's, scary. It's a weird it's game, weird. right? Like yeah. it's a weird setup. That's you know, you're but but certainly you you know you know Ohio State has the decided talent advantage. Yeah. Um, and then and then you come back home for payday games versus Tulsa and Akron. So th- those are games these guys are going to play, and there's no question about that. Rutgers in Piscataway. Uh, I, I'm not sure how different that game is from Akron. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to disrespect Greg Schiano. That was terrible. That that might actually be a good game. Um, no, it won't. Uh, no, forget everything I just said. And and then you, I mean, you got Maryland. Like this isn't a backbreaking schedule, right? It's this is not at all the hardest schedule in in college football. So no, this this is one of the easiest schedules I've seen Ohio State in recent memory. I mean, the Indiana game will be interesting. Indiana's a team that's sort of on the on the uprise, I guess. You know, Penn State. I don't know what to think about Penn State. Um, and then you finish with Michigan and Michigan State and Michigan. Th- those are interesting games, but not because you think Ohio State will be in any kind of danger. They're just yeah. interesting because of the storylines and and you know the coaches more so than than the players uh, in both of those games. So yeah, I I think that you've made a very uh, valid argument that we're going to see a lot of these quarterbacks because even if the game is not truly decided, there's going to be plenty of time for Ryan Day to let these guys stretch their legs and feel their oats. Uh, and as I mentioned, two weeks and two days from getting to see what that looks like. All right, Kevin, you talked about the idea that there may be four first round picks in the quarterback room at Ohio State. One former first round pick made his professional debut. I'm speaking, of course, uh, Justin Fields in his preseason debut with the Bears. He accounted for 175 total yards and two touchdowns in NFL preseason action. Pretty strong showing, and uh, I would say of the rookie quarterbacks, he had the weekend to remember um, taking over 
pretty quickly for Andy Dalton in the, the first possession of the second quarter and his first three series as an NFL quarterback. Uh, not great, not great. But then he dialed it in and, and really heated up. You watched the game. What was your, what was your, um, your reaction to those? Were you, were you sweating after those first few drives and, uh, or, or did you say, you know what guy just needs a minute to breathe? Yeah. I, I mean, if you, if you were watching the game, what was happening was not really like his fault. And it was three drives. Like I, I remember, like I was getting flashbacks to people losing their mind at his uh, spring game performance after he'd been <laughs> enrolled for like literally two months. And people were like, Oh, I'm, I'm not sure he can throw the ball. Like I, I don't know. I, I still go back and read some of the comments about how, you know, Ryan day is an idiot for letting Tate Martell leave. And, you know, Matthew Baldwin's going to win the job and it's stupid for him to guarantee the job to fields because Matthew Baldwin would win it in an open competition. Like it's hilarious how ridiculous those comments look in hindsight, but like, again, like this was a fake football game and his first fake football game with a, a, a team that like a makeshift team basically. But I mean, his first three series were like fine. Um, he didn't really do anything that dumb. He almost threw a pick because his tight end fell down. Uh, but like he didn't do anything bad necessarily besides the fumble. The fumble was dumb. Um, you, you know, you, you got to tuck the ball if you're going to run around and especially the NFL. But, um, you know, he it seemed like he just got more com- more comfortable, more confident. And he looked every bit like the Justin Fields that we uh we expected him and i loved the the comment after the game people asked him about the uh the speed of the game and he said actually it was pretty slow to me um just it, it's classic justin fields to give like the the like safest provocative answer possible like yes. it, it like he's he's not he, his answers are not like blatantly cocky and arrogant it's just like he'll say something and you think about like wait did he really just say that sort of thing um, but th- that was, that was perfect, but I, he looked really good. He looked really good. And I think I was impressed by what the bears were doing with him. They were rolling him out. They were kind of giving him space to run if he needs to one of like the key first downs that he got, he rolled out and he made the cornerback choose between the receiver and him. Then the corner came up to try to tackle him and he dumped it right to the receiver for a first down. So it, there, there are just a lot of things where it was clear that like, they're not just going to stick, stick him in the pocket and uh, make him make you know, make him make throws, which he could do. Like, I think he's got one of the best arms in the draft class, if not the best. Um, and so like, he, he's perfectly capable of just sitting in the pocket and um, throwing dimes, but they're made it pretty clear with this game plan that they're going to make use of his athleticism and stuff too. So um, I, I, I think he found a good spot. I'm excited to see how he, he plays. And um, I, I think I'm optimistic. I, I would not be optimistic if I was Andy Dalton because I don't think that his uh, his starting starting role is going to last longer than a couple games, if that, with the Bears. I mean, frankly, you know, if I'm if I'm steering that ship, I'm saying to myself the the only reason that I'm starting Andy Dalton is because I'm protecting Justin Fields as he grows into the role. Yeah. Other, otherwise, yeah. I see no reason why you don't just pull the ripcord and let the young dog eat. Uh, he's clearly the more talented athlete It's even setting aside the age difference, right? Which is not insignificant. You know, Dalton's had a lot of tread off the tires. I mean, hell's bells. He got out of Cincinnati alive with, you know, a quasi functional representation of what an offensive line would look like if you didn't really right. care about offensive line play all that much. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely I'm not a, I'm not an Andy Dalton slander. I think that he he's a perfectly serviceable quarterback that he is very intelligent and he knows the game. And I honestly think that he's going to be a great mentor to Justin Fields. And I think you, you saw the the relationship that it seems like they already have, like when Andy Dalton came off the field and told Justin Fields that he was coming in like they he gave him a big smile and they like shared a hug and fields went on the field and stuff. So I, I don't think there's anima- any animosity there. I think Andy Dalton kind of knows his role yeah. and he knows that like he's his kind of legacy at this point is, is Justin Fields' mentor. So I think his success is no longer like what he can do for the bears, but what he can do for Justin Fields who can then in turn help the bears. So I don't think there's any disillusion there. 
I think it's just a matter of time. And the more that Justin Fields shows in practice and preseason, uh, the more that time seems uh, very limited. Who has the better career when it's all said and done with Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? That's tough. Um, I, I am definitely not a, a Trevor Lawrence uh, disrespecter. Um, I'm also not an Urban Meyer disrespecter, but I think that Justin Fields has landed in the uh, much better situation here um, for, for a variety of reasons. I, I don't think Urban Meyer is going to go full uh, Tim Tebow or JT Barrett and have Trevor Lawrence running quarterback power all the time, but Urban Meyer really does love to run the football and you can see with how he's constructing his football team with um, even his first round picks and his, his running back core. And I, I, I just don't think that that is the most ideal scenario for a kind of superstar quarterback. Um, and, you know, that could change. I haven't really seen Urban Meyer's full, what, what the, that Jags offense is really going to look like, but I just see, I saw how the bears offense was just really, seem to be designed around Justin Fields designed around his legs and stuff like that. So I think especially early on, I I would not be shocked if Justin Fields had more early success. I, I think Trevor Lawrence has all the talent in the world. And um, as he grows into that position, as the team grows around him, as he um, gets more weapons and uh, you know, the Jags become not the Jags anymore. I, I think he could develop and really end up being the, the better one ultimately. But I think if we're talking like the first five years, I think I'm going to go Justin Fields. I would agree. Uh, And for largely the same reasons, I think, you know, if I were drafting a quarterback out of that class, I would have gone with Fields. I I just really think his athletic abilities and and his intelligence, Uh, Johnny and I talked in a previous episode about this at length i think one of the aspects of justin fields that's really underrated is how how just how damn smart he is uh and there was a great story um here over the summer during the all season that came out and i don't even remember who reported it now but they were talking about one of the one of the intellect and intelligence tests they run these guys through and it was dealing specifically with memory and that his memory was better than all but four, he scored perfectly on this memory test. And there were only four NFL quarterbacks in the last, say, 20 years that they've been doing this particular test who had scored a perfect score on that particular test. So, so in other words, he's one of five guys to have taken the test to score perfectly at the quarterback position. Like it was just, you know, and, and that that's a pretty important part of when you're talking about learning an offense and running an offense, um, you know, just, just having that quick recall it's pretty, you know, that's pretty special. Uh, right. So I, I agree with you. I think Fields is going to have a fantastic career. That's no disrespect to Lawrence, but uh, well, totally. I think you, you, you mentioned his athleticism too. I, I, I didn't even really touch on that, but like if Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are even close at throwing the ball, then Justin Fields has the advantage because he's like built like a running back and has running back speed and was outrunning NFL linebackers in his right. NFL debut. So like, if they're even close at throwing the ball, I, I don't know how you could pick Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, if you need to get two yards in a you know third and goal to go situation, which guy do you want taking the snap? I mean, this is yeah. not a hard question to decide, I don't think. So I yeah, I, I like his chances and he's off to a great start and and, and you love to see it. And and also uh you know, we've I've I've got to ring this bell again. Dwayne Haskins looked pretty good uh in his Steelers preseason debut. I've been reading good things. Uh, the, I've been following the local uh, press covering the Steelers and a lot of good things coming out of Steelers training camp. So, you know, there, there could be the situation where we've uh, we, we've dealt with Ohio state, not having uh, quarterbacks have success in the league to having maybe, maybe two quarterbacks who could be successful in the league. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. You mentioned urban Meyer and his debut also along with Trevor Lawrence Tim Tebow not getting a lot of love in the social media world for his debut as a tight end. Is, is Urban Meyer going to have to cut his favorite player of all time here here soon, or does he prove to be as stubborn as always when it comes to personnel decisions 
and and hang on to his favorite quarterback of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's got to cut him. Like, I, I mean, I, don't... I mean, you know that, and I know that. Does he know that? And and furthermore, I... even if he knows it, is he is he capable of of doing that, or or would he feel like such a disloyal sob that he just can't do it? I mean, loyalty has been his millstone. Uh, and, and not for nothing. I mean, this happens to a lot of coaches, right? I mean, we, we, Jim Trestle was notorious for being, uh, illogically loyal to his, his assistants in this case, yeah. uh, went down with the ship for his players, you know? So, I mean, yeah. so it just, I think, I think we, I think we revere Jim Trestle, um, and, and sometimes look at urban Meyer with a bit of disdain for, for a very similar character. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I see your point, but like my, my biggest thing is like, it's one thing to do that when I I don't know. It's just, there's only 52 roster roster spots. Like you, you, you're talking like that. That's a big deal. When you give that to a tight end that, that can't play football. Like I, I don't, I don't think you can do that. And even if I, I have a lot of respect for Tim Tebow as a person and as an athlete, and I don't think Tim Tebow would do that. You know, like I, I think Tim Tebow is keenly aware that he is not one of the 52 best players on that roster right now. And I, I think like, honestly, if it came down to it and urban wanted to keep Tim Tebow on the roster, I would not be shocked if Tim Tebow said, you, you can't do that. <laughs> like I, you know, like I, I, I love you. Like, thank you. But there's no, there's like, I, I don't know. I, 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 would I not can't think of to- another scenario in all candor where a 35 year old minor league baseball player taking a crack at a new position in the national football league for the first time ends up playing in a preseason game. I, I mean, like this no, is it, maybe it's, the it's most laughable. ridiculous story I have ever heard yeah. in a league that has a shitload of ridiculous stories. Right. And I, I guess the, the, the counterpoint is that there have been a lot of scenarios where I would have written Tim Tebow off and he like did, he shocked me into just fine. Like I, I cannot say enough. Like I, I do respect Tim Tebow. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think he'd be a professional baseball player <laughs> like, and dude like was cranking home runs and like, kind of showed me like obviously he retired never made the big leagues or anything like that but like you, you don't just like play minor league baseball for multiple years without getting cut by accident so um I, I i have a lot of respect for tim tebow and i i'm not shocked that urban gave him a try um i i honestly would not have been shocked somehow if he was good um or better than he is at least but like after seeing him play, there's just no, there's no way, like there's no way you can keep him on the roster. I, I I've seen a lot of people say like, well, it's really not that. No, it was terrible. Like it, there were two blocks. He, he completely whiffed on a pass block and he did whatever that was on that defender that was already completely taken out of the play. I, I don't know. I, you can't keep him on the roster. You, you just can't. And I think urban's going to take a lot of heat if he does. So um, I, I kind of wished that and hoped that Tim Tebow would do something cool. Cause it would have been a cool story, but that at this point there's just no way. I mean, surely there is an NFL equivalent of a grad assistant position and, and we see Tebow move into the front office or I something, right? Like I, I can totally see, some scenario where he is working with urban Meyer in some capacity for the Jaguars. I don't know what that is, but it, it sure as hell shouldn't be playing the tight end position, <laughs> nor, nor the quarterback position. Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, and, and maybe, and maybe all this was, was just, Hey, I'm doing my buddy a favor uh, and, and letting him have one last swing of it. But I don't know. I just watched those videos and I thought we, wow. What a deal. Uh, and, and you hope for his sake, for Urban Meyer's sake, that is, that this isn't, you know, a harbinger of, of things to come. And that, because uh, I've been one that said that I feel like there are two scenarios that make sense to me. And one is that either Urban Meyer is the next Jimmy Johnson or he's going to flame out spectacularly. Like, I just don't see a scenario. There's no in between. 
he's not Marvin Lewis. In other words, like I'm not no. seeing an extended career of making the playoffs and getting voted off the island in the first round. Like no, I, I just it's, I, I, it's boom I think or the, bust. The the most likely scenario in my mind, I I don't think he's going to be as bad as people seem to have written him off as. Like I don't think he's going to go like two and well it's 15 two and 15 these days um i i you know i don't i don't think he's gonna like be that colossally terrible um i i think that he could surprise some people i think in, in these first three years he could maybe get him to the playoffs get him with a, a 500 record but i think he'll flame out real quick I, I i think after like he gets this momentum this um these first couple years where everything's new and exciting i think just like kind of he's done it every stop um it, it, I don't think it'll last regardless of how he does. Uh, I, I could see year three, year four, things start to go downhill and then he's ready to retire again. So um, that, that's my prediction that he kind of surprises people and is better than expected for, you know, one to three years, but then uh, it's not really sustainable. That's, and, that's kind of my pick. And by retire, you mean uh, go back to the press booth for a few years before going to coach at Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or, or USC. I, I would not blame him at all if he ended up at USC. Hell, I would coach USC. I I mean, seeing what USC has run through in the years since Pete Carroll left, I mean, hell. Give me you, a shot. You, I mean, what do they have? I've played lose? a lot of NCAA football. I, yeah. I can do it. I can do it. I, I, how hard could it be to recruit USC? Like, just here it is. Come play football here. I want USC to be good again. Um, I, I hated Pete Carroll uh, with the passion of 10,000 fiery burning suns, um, mostly because he was still coaching football while Jim Tressel was like the vice president of student happiness at Akron or, you know, right, wherever yeah. it was like that really frosted my ass for a number of years. Um, Cause it just felt like there was no justice in the world. Right. And, and I've, I've gotten over that, you know, both men, have have gone and done their thing and, and been successful and uh jim trestle as a university president warms the cockles of my heart um but i i say all that to say this like i want usc to be good again partly for tradition's sake right like all those years where it's like ohio state usc these are the standard bearers for their respective conferences that rose bowl history like college football one of the things that made college football special and this is sort of dying and going away because it's now all about the money and, and it's all about, uh, you know, TV rights and, and the playoff and so on and so forth. But one of the, one of the things I love, I still love about college football is the tradition and USC is one of those great traditions, you know, traveler and the sword in the field and the, the song girls and the pageantry. It's just, I, I don't know. I love, I, I eat that stuff up. I'm a hopeless romantic, I guess. And so them not sucking would be, would be good for the sport, I think. And especially if the big 10 and the PAC 12 are going to be, uh, you know, bosom buddies here in this brave new world of super conferences and realignment, then it would be good if Oregon wasn't alone as the only good team in that conference again. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I agree with you. I think USC can and should be better than they are. Um, at the same time, it is my my deepest, deepest fear that they give Clay Helton the boot and um, hire Jeff Halfley. That, 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 <laughs> that, that is, that is the scariest thing I can imagine because I do not want Jeff Halfley leading at, that at a name program. Brand program. Yeah, no, no, thank you. No, not, especially not that one. Like they, they, no, they, they should just keep Clay Helton around. Maybe he'll turn it around, make him like a perennial top 10 program. That's kind of, they, they can be Oklahoma. Let him be Oklahoma, but no, there you go. Jeff Halfley can go anywhere else. Just not there. Yeah. All right. Time for ask us anything. This is a, a good time to remind you that the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11 warriors and dry goods. 11 warriors.com hats, shirts, stickers, fine barware, a plethora of items that will make you a more stylish fan of the local football team. I highly encourage you to visit early and often bookmark it, share it with your friends. We're coming into the fall. Fall is a great time to restock your wardrobe. Think back to school. 
can go to drygoods.elevenwarriors.com and stock up there. You can send us your questions to ask us anything at dubcast at 11warriors.com or hit us up via Twitter, twitter.com slash 11dubcast. We'd love to have your questions there. And we have a couple. Uh, let's start with this one, um, which is from Kieran, who writes, uh, what is the coolest video game that you have ever played? Uh, Kevin, I did, do you, are you an active gamer now or, or, uh, has, has that waved bye-bye to you because of your immense, uh, volume of duties at 11 warriors global headquarters? So yes and no. Um, I, I do not, I have not played video games seriously in, a, in quite a while. Um, but I've, I, I mean, I, I definitely have been, um, I've played my fair share of video games. I mean, I went to college. Uh, I think my, I, I'm a sucker for like the open world RPG, um, really like the big immersive games, like, uh, any of the elder scroll or fallout games, anything Beth Bethesda. Um, I, I really like GTA a lot. Um, aside from, I, I just like the games where you can just explore and do whatever you want. Um, Unfortunately, we haven't really gotten like a, a, a good open world game like that in a very long time uh, as those games take seemingly forever to develop. Um, I think a lot of them are in development and have been in development for like a decade. But uh, I, I think those are the ones that I'm, I'm a sucker for, those uh, the big immersive um, RPG type games. I grew up in uh, a different generation of video gaming. My first game console was an Atari, uh, had the original Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, the N64. Uh, we did have a Sega Genesis at one point, and then, you know, of course, went off to college and uh, was exposed to the wild world of, of uh, not so much PlayStation, um, but, uh, but the Xbox and I would say I will give this answer in a couple of different generations. So my favorite, what I'll call old school video game was by far the Super Nintendo classic Super Punch-Out. Uh, I played that game. That, that is probably the sports game. If you want to consider boxing, um, the, the boxing video game genre sports. Uh, I played that. That's probably the sports game that I played the most um, cumulatively all time played that game and, and it was such a, I was good enough at it that there were many years afterward when I would go back home for like Thanksgiving or Christmas and my dad and little brother would get the super Nintendo out specifically to watch me play super punch out. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently it was entertaining. Uh, I don't know if it was like my running commentary during, I, I don't really know why, but like that was a bonding experience with my dad and my brother playing super punch out. That was a, that was a fun game. Now, uh, games I played later, you know, in college and young adulthood, I quite liked the Hitman franchise. Um, and I, I'd really have to think about which, which one, uh, it was that I played the most because the, the subtitles of the different games have kind of waved bye-bye to me in the 15 to 20 years since. Um, but I quite like the Hitman series of games that sort of combination of first person shooter but also like puzzle um you know strategy you know sort of like choose your own adventure there wasn't one right mm -hmm. way to solve the particular mission that you were on right so i i like that quite a bit um i did like the gta series as well played um god there again i'd have to think about which one it was that i had that i just played the tires off of um was there one in Liberty City? Maybe was that GTA? By City. By City. Yeah, that's it. There you go. There you go. See, yeah. good. Yeah, that, that was, was good. That was good. Played that quite a bit, and um, and also Halo. Uh, oh yeah, Halo, Halo two and three. I played. I yeah. played the heck out of that. Those, that's those big. Halo three is probably my real answer. And I guess if we're going the coolest, like conceptually, one of the coolest that I've ever played was a, a game called Portal two. Oh, Portal one okay. probably is cool too. But basically the whole premise of the game is that you have a portal gun and you can shoot one portal one place and it makes a portal that appears in another place. And so like you run through one and just like teleport out the other one oh, and wow. you play a ton with like the game's physics and like jumping through one portal and like using the momentum to shoot yourself out of a different portal. Um, it is very 
a, a lot more nuanced than you'd expect. And there's a ton of puzzles and stuff like that. That was, that's probably the coolest concept game that I've ever played. Nice. Thank you, Kieran. Great question. Uh, and, and, uh, shout us out in the comments. What is your favorite video game? What was the coolest video game that you've ever played? Just drop in the comments there at 11 warriors.com. I'd love to get your take. Maybe if I ever dust off some of the gaming consoles, well, well, uh, I'll, I'll learn something. Uh, this one comes from Bryant via Twitter. Uh, and he, and he lists the following statistics. So, um, left tackle, uh, Petty Frere at six, five, three, 15 left guard Munford at six, six, three, 20, uh, center Harry Miller at six, four, three, 15 right guard Johnson at six, six, three, 15 right tackle Dewan Jones, big Thanos himself, six, eight, three, 60, uh, this in Bryant's comment is this may be one of the largest offensive lines I've ever seen in college. Uh, Kevin, how many schools can stack up mono imano with this front five for the Buckeyes? N- n- number one, I, I don't know if I'd go out on the limb of saying it's the largest uh, offensive line I've ever seen, although I'm not necessarily thinking of any off the top of my head that are statistically larger. I just haven't gone back and you know, done the math or, or, or pulled records. Anytime you say, Oh man, this is bound to be the biggest. Somebody's going to hit you with a well, actually on the interwebs, uh, as you and I have, have experienced more than once, but, but how, uh, how do you feel about this offensive line is, is, is all that mass just, uh, a recipe for success on, on its face is, is all of the shuffling of, positions because there's some guys here in positions that if you'd asked me a month ago i would have said no that's not how that's going to line out what 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 are you thinking about this uh projected starting offensive line yeah i think i i did have a little bit of concern at first that there were um that like on on the surface i i kind of i'm a little bit scared about moving tackles to guards specifically after seeing um, kind of how, how terrible the running game was in, I guess it was 2008 or not 2008, 2018. Um, that year when uh, Dwayne Haskins tore apart the record books through the air, but um, for some reason, JK Dobbins was randomly bad for that one season. Um, that season uh, there were, I think that was the year where they put Malcolm Pridgen on the inside and Brandon Bowen on the inside um, and there's a lot of size on the inside, but it didn't seem to actually work out that well. Um, I'm less concerned this time because I, I mean, no disrespect to those gentlemen, but I think the players that they're putting on the inside are just better. Like you're talking about moving um, Thayer Munford, who is arguably like the top offensive lineman in the country. You're talking about moving him to guard. And you're talking about moving Paris Johnson Jr., who I firmly believe will be an, an All-American and first-round pick by the time he's done. You're talking about moving him inside to guard. So, like those two guys on the inside, I, I'm cool with that. You know, like that—that's that's just fine. Getting those, like those players on the field, um, that doesn't scare me at all. I, I I'm very excited to have those five offensive linemen on the field if if that's how it turns out. Um, there might be some growing pains because two of the, some of those guys are playing positions that they haven't really played before, um, especially Thayer Munford, but I, I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I would love to see that offensive line doing stuff against whatever defensive front that is thrown up against them. Very few teams in the country, I think, can, go toe to toe with these guys, regardless of, of the combination. I agree with you. The Munford move inside, I, I didn't see coming. Uh, but then again, you know, this could be a nod that that's probably a position he looks to play at the next level. Maybe, maybe slots in more as a guard on Sundays rather than tackle. And if so, you know, Hey, good on the staff for, for putting him in a position to shine there potentially Uh really interesting line and everything starts in the trenches. So I think we're, I think we're well positioned just based on the talent of that front five for sure. Interested to see who ends up running behind them. Um, you know, the the idea that uh, uh, Master Teague will be your starting running back. He's certainly a very physically gifted guy, although I don't know that uh, any of us are are sold on him as the 
second coming of Archie Griffin. Um, but Bryant did make the comment in his Twitter post that if Mayan Williams wins the starting running back position, you know, he's five, eight running behind guys that are literally a foot taller than him. And that gave me a solid chuckle. Thanks for the, uh, questions, Kieran and Bryant. And again, you can send your questions to us via email dubcast at 11 warriors.com or hit us up on Twitter. You can, uh, you can shout out Kevin or I individually or hit up the 11 warriors, uh, the 11 dubcast, uh, profile on Twitter and send us your questions there. All right, let's move into quick cows. Let's wrap this thing up as we get down into the short rows, Ohio state wide receiver, Garrett Wilson is again, healthy, but the Buckeyes have been managing his workload ahead of the season. Uh, how, how soon do you think we'll see Wilson, take the field Kevin is he out there uh is he out there on day one will he be ready or are they going to hold him back and and make sure that uh we don't get him back too fast and and potentially hinder his uh full recovery going into the heart of the season oh I'd be shocked if he's not ready week one I I think he'll be good to go one of the most electrifying guys out there does Ohio State have the best wide receiving core in the big 10 in the country How, how how good are they with the, the talent they've got here, Wilson, just being one piece of that puzzle. I mean, they've got, I, I think Garrett Wilson, well, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are the two best wide receivers in the country. I think that that's, uh, that's a pretty little, well that, a given, that, right? Yeah. I, I mean, like I that's mean, not a, a controversial take. I don't think. Right. No, I, I think pretty much anybody would agree with that, or at least like be fine with that, you know, like they might disagree, but like, that's the, Nobody's going to really fight you on that. Um, at the very least, they've got both those guys are top three, top five. So um, I, I don't think that's really controversial. Um, outside of that, you know, they've got Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to be in the slot, uh, you know, former five-star guy. And behind um, Olave is Julian Fleming, who was the former number one receiver in the country. And then you've got uh, the son of an All-American, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's probably going to be um, – backing up Garrett Wilson. And then you've got, uh, Emeka, a Buka who is, um, going to, uh, probably be the number two guy in the, in the slot. So basically you've got the two best receivers in the country, the son of an all American, and then three, five-star guys are like your first six. So I think the, I, I think, I think it's going to be a good receiving core. Second uh, bit of, of quick cows here before we close this thing down. Steel Chambers, officially a linebacker. He started his career as a running back. Not going to be part of that discussion as to who Ohio State's bell cow will be out of the backfield. How do, how do you feel about when you see guys make these kind of transitions? I mean, we're not talking about moving from, you know, uh, this position to the slot, or you're not talking about moving from uh, tackle to guard. I mean, we're talking about flipping sides of the, the, the field entirely. Is this a good move and will it work in the end? I, you know, I, I don't really know that many guys that have totally switched sides of the field and like been successful. Um, I, I think really the only guy who I can think of who started somewhere and then moved somewhere else and um, was successful was uh, Brendan White. And even that, like, obviously he transferred to Rutgers. So um, he started off at wide receiver and ended up at safety slash linebacker. So I, I don't, I, it's tough to tell. There are a lot of guys on the roster right now who've kind of made a position switch afterwards. Um, you know, you've got like, uh, um, Demario McCall, obviously he hasn't successfully done his yet either. You've got Cade Stover at tight end. You've got a uh, G Scott jr. Who's at tight end right now. Um, so there, there's a few guys who've started somewhere else and, um, are now at a different position, but I don't know that we've really seen that many do it successfully and, um, and, you know, end their career with a, a successful position change. So um, I, I'd love to be kind of wrong there. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that there will be comments or somebody will have takes about reminding me of guys in the past who've um, switched positions. I, I think Billy Price switched positions. I think Joel Hale switched positions, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I, I'd love to see him be successful and 
Ryan Day seems to think he'll be successful, but I'm not sure history is on his side there, but um, maybe his talent doesn't care about history. We're going to find out soon enough, as I mentioned, two weeks and two days ahead of the season getting underway when the Buckeyes kick off uh, at Minnesota's TCF Bank Stadium. Back page here, uh, last bit of news we mentioned a week ago that Ryan Jacoby was in the transfer portal. He was there six days. The third-year offensive lineman announced on Sunday evening that he is heading to Pitt to finish out his college career. Adios and Viacondios, and best of luck in the Steel City. The former Buckeye has four seasons of eligibility remaining. And that's going to do it for us in this edition of the Dubcast. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed our musings and ruminations over the week that was Ohio State football and related sports topics. Again, you can send your questions to us uh, for Ask Us Anything or sign off in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you and your takes and opinions. Um, Shout out, sign off, follow us on Twitter if you're not already doing so. Until this time next week, same bat time, same bat channel, where we'll take another swing at what's happening in the last days of the offseason before the Buckeyes get underway. We'll see you soon, and I'm Andy Vance, along with co-host Kevin Harris, wishing you a great rest of your week. Thanks for joining us on the Dubcast.